when you're looking at the success of your show, focusing less on how many downloads and listeners and more so how engaged is your community? Are they listening all the way through to the end? We've done a lot of studies around this and generally we have found anything above 60% for average consumption rate is considered to be good. Anything above 75% should be the benchmark, the excellent. Welcome back to Oh My Pod. I'm Justin J. Moore, your host, and my co-host and fiance is Celine Albertini. That was the voice of Fatima Zaidi. She's the founder and CEO at Quill Inc., an award-winning production agency specializing in corporate audio, and co-host, a podcast growth and analytics tool. As a member of the National Speakers Bureau, Fatima has spoken at various events around the world on media and tech trends, leading her to keynote on world stages alongside speakers like Gary Vaynerchuk. Over the past few years, she has won two Top 30 Under 30 awards, the Young Professional of the Year by Notable Life, Veuve Clicquot's Bold Future Award, the Women in Content Marketing Award, and one of Flair Magazine's Top 100 Women. Outside of entrepreneurship, Fatima is co-chair of the hashtag Tech for Sick Kids Council for Sick Kids Hospital, which is the second largest pediatric research hospital in the world. She's on track to raise $25 million to build a new emergency wing of the hospital, as well as fund some of the world's biggest data and AI projects. We hope you enjoy this episode and find it valuable. We feel really grateful to be able to interview such amazing people. Enjoy. Welcome back to episode 13 of On My Pod. My name is Justin. And I'm Celine. And today we have an absolutely unreal guest on our show. We have Fatima Zaidi. So Fatima, how are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time. Seriously, it's like, I feel I feel like it's so cool to be able to to just have a conversation with people who are like so, so high up in the industry that we're in. And we feel, we feel very small and we feel very fortunate to be able to, to have conversations like this. I think we're very, very lucky. I mean, I think the, the learning is sort of 360. I, I always have something to share on conversations like these, but I always walk away with new and additional insights. And um, I think the work that you, you two are doing in this space is definitely niche and it's, hasn't really been done before. So I'm, I'm sure that you know more about the coaching podcasting space than I do. Thank you so much. Thank you. So uh, we're going to start with an icebreaker question, even yes. though I don't think you need it. <laughs> yeah, you're totally <laughs> you're, on it. You're super good at this. Um, what's your favorite thing in the world to do? I would say I, I love to travel, which is a bit of a cliche answer because who doesn't? Um, I do center a lot of my travel around diving, diving trips. I'm a oh, big cool. diver and love the different coral reefs around the world. Um, one of my last dives was um, a shark dive in South Africa. And I'm actually heading to Bermuda in a couple of weeks um, for another diving trip. So I think that's probably one of my favorite things to do. That is so cool. That's really cool. I love that. Where are you based? Um, I'm a little bit nomadic, born and raised in the Middle East, moved to Toronto, headquarters in Chicago and Toronto. So I'm kind of all over the place. I'm like usually in a new country every month. Um, but right now I'm in Toronto and I would consider Toronto to be home. Nice. Very cool. And uh, was... for those who don't know what Toronto is, it's a city in Canada. Oh, wow. <laughs> just just one of the small ones. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was in Egypt and I love it because I was like... Um, always like snorkeling every day for hours and hours because so beautiful gorgeous fish there were you in um were you in Dahab or Sharm el-Sheikh like Sharm el-Sheikh yeah yeah it's it's, the diving there is absolutely stunning one of my favorites she always talks about it I 
Yeah, I always talk about because I'm from Europe and so Egypt is really close for us to go to. And every time I'm stunned that's so close, I can like I can go and see this. Egypt is such a such a dichotomy of places because it's got the beautiful beaches, it's got the historical culture, yeah. oh it's goodness. got the it's so rich in culture and and actually people don't really think about coral reefs and diving and beautiful beaches when they think of Egypt. They exactly. think of pyramids and the deserts. Um, exactly. But hopefully they'll listen to this episode and Add it to their itinerary list of places to go. I bet they will. 100%. Got lots of divers who listen to this, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's hop into it. Like, so Quill and co-host, I just thought maybe you could just give some brief context to what exactly is going on with all of that before we kind of get into some podcasting stuff. Absolutely. Quill is a full-service production agency. We specialize in creating audio content for Fortune 1000 brands. So we work with the PwCs, the Microsofts, the sales forces of the world. We're also like one of a few agencies that also specialize in podcast audience growth and analytics. Uh, For many years, we're working with our clients to launch their podcasts and the type of clients we work with, you can't really get away with just giving them metrics on how many downloads, how many listeners. They were looking for you know very detailed stats on ROI so that they could justify the creation of new production budgets. And unfortunately, what we have on the market is pretty limited. So really we decided is. to launch Co-Host, which is um, a hosting and analytics platform that is really dedicated to brands and companies who are podcasting. So we think of ourselves as the Google Analytics of podcasting. We can show you age, gender, household income, occupation of your listeners, what companies are listening to your podcast, what is your average consumption rate, episode consumption, loyal listeners, metrics that actually matter far beyond downloads and listeners. And what are the qualifications for being able to use something like Co-host? Can anybody get an account or? Anybody can use it. It's $29 a month. So very comparable to a lot of the other hosting pl- providers and platforms. And it's completely self-serve. So anybody can use it. Um, we originally designed it for corporations who are interested in podcasting. So branded podcasts was the vertical that we sort of specialize in. Um So that typically is like our sweet spot. If you're an indie um, looking for better metrics on your show and looking to use data to help level up editorially or figure out where your downloads are coming in from, like is Facebook working? Is Reddit working? Where should you prioritize your time? We do automatic transcriptions. So you no longer have to use third-party softwares like Trend and Rev. It's all done through co-host for $29 a month. So um, we wanted to consolidate that entire process for anyone who was trying to prove the ROI of why they should be podcasting. Yeah. So your so co-host is, would you say it's, it's like leading on sort of innovation and, and like cutting edge. Is there anything else that does it like that? I, well, I, I would argue that our two biggest competitors used to be chartable in pod sites before they got acquired by Spotify last year. Right. I mean, we, we all know what happened with, with those two companies post acquisition, actually, last this past week, um, Podsites has now been shelved, and Spotify has sort of taken over, and they're focusing more on the ad network space. And Chartable has completely discontinued a lot of their B two B analytics features, and also focused on the ad network. So I would say, arguably, we don't really have that many competitors anymore. Right. If you're like focused on 
you know, monetization and you don't really care about the data and analytics, then you're fine to use a megaphone or one of the other platforms. But I would say that if you are a company, a coach, a solopreneur, a startup, a scale up, a, an enterprise brand, and you're podcasting or you're a producer or agency working with those brands, then likely co-host is the way you'd want to go. Maybe you just got a new client. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely possible. <laughs> that's uh, that's really cool. Um, yeah, we we need we need access to as much data as we can. Like you said, whether it's a company or an individual, they need to be able to justify totally. a production budget for like another year or another six months or whatever. Like they want to see what the heck's going on on the, on, on the data side. And it's really hard. Totally. To get. The other thing that was really frustrating for us, was that we had to work with so many different vendors. We were using Chartable for tracking links. Right. We were using Edison for demographic data. We were using Trent for transcriptions. We were using Simplecast for hosting and it was just too many players. And we just felt like it all should be consolidated into one platform, a nominal fee so that people can afford it. And it's scalable because a lot yeah. of indie podcasters can't afford afford to make more than $30 a month. And, and that was our pricing strategy where it's you're comparable to other hosting providers with a lot more features. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. Makes, makes a lot sense. of sense. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to hear you talk about data and analytics just for me personally, because mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm, I'm a very creative thinker. Like I think um, I, I sometimes have a bit of trouble kind of like on the ground in the weeds and, and, um, I, I usually think of like kind of the, the overall thing. And, and so data and analytics as like, as much as it pains me to say, like I, it's, it's, it was overlooked for me for a very, very long time. Um, but as our company has become a lot more serious, um, people are asking for that because they now we're getting to the point where they want to be able to show potential advertisers that, you know, what, what they can offer on their show in terms of, listenership and demographic of their audience and everything. Um, so I was going to save the data stuff and analytics question for later, but it sounds like it's a good time to get right into it. Like on the show that I, that I found you on actually, just so everybody knows I was editing um, one of our clients podcasts and I heard, um, I heard you on there and you said on that show that the three main measurements to take into account for people in podcasting and their data is consumption rate, demographic data, and B2B analytics. So would you maybe be able to just break those three things down for like just somebody, like you said, maybe an indie sure. podcaster who wants to just be able to use those kind of casually to Absolutely. understand what's going on? So in that order, average consumption rate falls under like engagement metrics. And I feel like our industry doesn't really put enough of an emphasis on the fact that 94% of people who start a podcast end up completing the entire episode, whereas a 30 minute video only has a 12% completion rate. Oh and yet gosh. we still only hold a fraction of media budgets. And so when you're looking at the success of your show, focusing less on how many downloads and listeners and more so how engaged is their community? Are they listening all the way through to the end? The industry... We've done a lot of studies around this, and generally we have found anything above 60% for average consumption rate is considered to be good. Anything above 75% should be the benchmark, the excellent really? benchmark. So typically I would say people don't really think about the fact that if, you're, if your listener is dropping off in the first 20 um 20th percentile. So in the first like 10 minutes of your show mm -hmm. still constitutes as a download, but it doesn't speak to the success of your content. So right. 
that is why average consumption rate is at the top of my list of things to measure. And we actually are the only hosting provider that show you your average consumption rate right on your dashboard as soon as you log on. And this month, we're adding episode consumption as well. So not only can you see where the drop-offs are happening for your entire show's average, but also for each and every single episode in case there was a guest that doesn't resonate with your content or in case there was um, a format that you changed up that didn't necessarily work, you can measure the drop-off rates and figure out how your listeners are responding to the content. Right. So that's what average consumption rate means. Right. Demographic data is a really interesting one because, again, no hosting provider shows you age, gender, household income, occupation for all of your platforms. Yeah. If you go into the back end of Spotify, you can see it, but exclusively for Spotify listeners. And which is like a very small measure of like your entire, your entire podcast pool. And so we show you the demographic data of all of your sort of listeners so that you can ensure that you're reaching the right people rather than just any listener. Um, for branded podcasts, especially, I would say you are competing with digital marketing budgets. And in an economy where cash flow is king, I'm really tired of hearing people say that podcasting is a brand awareness tactic, that you can't measure the success. It's a tenuous kind of ROI, uh, which when you compare it to digital marketing, it's true. For ads budgets, for every dollar you put in, you can see exactly how it comes back and impacts your bottom line. Podcasting can't be measured in the same way. Exactly. And so that is why we also show demographic data along with B2B analytics data, which shows you what companies are listening to your podcast soon, hopefully being able to narrow down LinkedIn profiles. So essentially what lead feeder or zoom info do for website traffic, what we do is for podcasting, here are the listeners of your show in terms of the company. So you can export that and connect it to your CRM tool and start doing outreach to build a better relationship with your podcast listeners, whether it's looking for a sponsor, whether it's looking for advertisers, whether it's looking for customers for your business. So if like you're a coach and you notice that XYZ companies are repeat listeners for your show and X percentage of their employees are listening to their show could be a really good opportunity for you as a coach to bring on a client. Um, and it also shows you which of your clients are actively engaged in your content as well, which is another ROI indicator. Um, so generally the work that we do at Co-Host as well as Quill is to move away from just calling podcasting a brand awareness tactic that we can't measure and showing quantifiable KPIs on how it can actually impact your bottom line to podcast. Yeah, I you guys are solving a real, a real problem. Like it's a cutting edge problem. It's something that, um, I, yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's so, so important because mm-hmm. one of the things that we found with podcasting also is it's like, it's almost like not having the data and the analytics is like, it's sort of like, it, it can be sort of nice because then you're like, Oh, you know, like I, I, I won't be able to measure goals, so I can't fail. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I don't really know what's happening in the back end, so we're just gonna pretend like you know whatever. But this is a really cool way to come at it from, come at it from a business perspective, and to be able to actually see exactly what is going on in the back end, just like you can on Instagram or on, um, you know, any of the other platforms. And I can't believe you guys are the first people doing this. I think it's, uh, pretty huge. So B2B analytics was actually first done by Chartable, but they dropped the feature when they got acquired by Spotify. So now we are the only provider on the market that is um, focusing on that as well as demographic data. So we weren't first to market, but now we're the only ones in the market. And um, 
You know, it's, it's interesting. I feel like it's a niche, but if you don't really solve this problem, then I think it's really hard to compete with other content channels that can prove uh, the level of ROI that we're trying to. So we really did it as a solution to continue podcasting with our clients. And we've seen a direct correlation with the data that we provide them and them wanting to continue podcasting. Yeah, that's huge. And I can't believe how big of a deal that might be for a company like ours. I mean, you could really yeah. be helping production agencies it making yeah, a I think huge impact we have so many so many clients that ask us questions about these things and you can't really answer and you're because like, you don't have huh. the info you just you don't, have, don't the have the information and it I just looks say, bad i won't say honestly. the hosting platforms that we've used in the past but it but um yeah, yeah you don't have what what yeah. you need uh, no. if you're going to take podcasting seriously and invest yeah. thousands of dollars a month into mm-hmm. it you know and what you said is if you're going to take podcasting seriously, if you're looking to hodgepodge something together and be a podcast hobbyist, then, then use Lipson, use Anchor, like yeah. use Podbean. But I would say that if you're looking to take it seriously and, and really accelerate growth and really focus on fixating it as like a core part of your content ecosystem, exactly. along with content blogs, as well as YouTube series or video series, webinars, newsletters, then then you definitely need the data. It's like we would never launch ads without the data to show us what's working and what's not. So right. why would we do the same thing for podcasting? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. So 100%. we're on the topic of brands podcasting, taking podcasting seriously, investing into podcasting long-term what is the number one incentive for a brand or a business or an entrepreneur to start a podcast? Why are they going to invest some of their most valuable resources, their time, their cash, their energy, all that? Well, just from recent studies, the podcast consumer report surveyed a group of people who said that they were a group of podcasters who said they were 64% more likely to purchase a product from a brand or consider a brand after hearing them on a podcast. It's a tactic that really humanizes your brand's story. So day to day, we use all of these companies like Amazon, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Slack, and we have no emotional connection to these brands other than knowing what they do. And when you podcast, you have an opportunity to actually connect with consumers on a much more intimate level and tell your story in a way that you would never be able to do through any content channels like blogs and ads and SEO. And so um, generally speaking, the report that I find to be the most impactful is BBC's podcast study from last year that showed uh, quantifiable metrics on how a podcast impacts a brand. And it was an 89% increase in brand consideration if you're on a podcast. And my favorite stat, a 14% increase in purchasing intent. So you're 14% more likely to purchase a product or service after listening to a brand on a podcast. To me, that's a pretty compelling number. Um, it's it's massive when you're talking about differentiating um, between companies totally. who do the same things as each other. Like I have absolutely no yeah. reason to go to bank A or bank B or bank C other than just, you know, it's the closest to where I live. But so talking about like a 14% difference between something like that is enormous. Yeah, totally. I've purchased so many products and services after listening to podcasts, my indie mattress, like HelloFresh meal subscriptions, my GoDaddy domain, Bombay hair curler. Um, 
And I, I think about what is like the, the common denominator of me making all of these purchases. It's the frequency of how often I hear the ad. And mm-hmm. most importantly, the, the trust that I place in the host of the podcast to be playing the ad. Exactly. So you're by default a product influencer. I trust your recommendations. And so, um, whether you're dynamically inserting an ad or it's baked into your content, I'm much more likely to purchase a product or service from someone that is recommending it who I trust and 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 sort of look up to their recommendations rather than like seeing a 30 second TV ad. Yeah. I, I 100%. We yeah. we've talked about this Justin and I. Yeah, we we've, we've we've bought stuff. Supplements, books, yeah. like yeah. All, yeah, you know 100%. All, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the yeah. number one incentive would would be building trust, I guess, with with your with your listeners or, or yeah, building a relationship with your yeah. stakeholders and telling your brand story in a way that's authentic. Yeah. Very, very cool. Are there, are there industries that are better suited to podcasting than others? Um, I would say that it really depends on who it is that you're trying to target. So if you're, if you're a customer base or your stakeholders that you're trying to reach are millennial professionals, then it's a really great, category for you if you're looking to reach baby boomers i don't know how many baby boomers are listening to podcasts these days my mom and dad aren't on spotify so i would say that you really need to tailor the content strategy to your ideal listener profile which i find oftentimes people don't really think about they don't really take the time to think about who are they creating this show for so they can be something to someone rather than everything to everyone something to someone rather than everything to everyone that is a that's a really good way of putting that yeah. I'm constantly looking for like little nuggets of of huge kind of inspiration like that and that's very true cuz on the on the show that we listened to you with our with our client Dustin um you had said that there there was a company that had come to you with an idea for an open banking podcast. <laughs> yeah. Could you tell that story cuz I I've been yeah. telling that story and yeah. cuz it's so cool. <laughs> Yeah, he's still our client today. He's 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 a legacy client now, but he approached me and um, he wanted to create a podcast on open banking. And I was like, nobody's going to listen to that. Like, who wants to listen to a podcast about open banking? Like, I know I don't. I still don't. Yeah. I produce this show and I still don't want to listen to it. But he was totally right. There wasn't really anyone who was like owning this space in the open banking sort of circuit. So we created a really killer podcast for a very specific niche audience and like every single open banking expert or financial services expert or anyone who's remotely interested in that industry tunes into this podcast. We get fan mail. He like, if we stop dropping episodes because we're taking a break between seasons, we start getting emails being like, when is this content dropping? He's like recognized as a celebrity at industry conferences. He goes to people go up to him and they're like, are you Mr. Open Banking? Um, and I just, I would have never guessed. And it, it was a very valuable lesson to me that day that, that I learned, which is, when you're, when you're, you know, creating shows on entrepreneurship, you're competing with the how I built this is and the guy rises of the world. But when you go niche and like build something that's in a very specific vertical that's in your expertise, you actually have a natural community that will follow. Uh, so your show might end up being way more successful than if you're thinking constantly broad and big picture. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've heard this, we've heard this, um, so many times now from different people. Yeah. yeah. 
like what was it a surgeon podcast yeah you you that was you talking about that Fatima I think on the yeah. podcast as well that there's a there's a kind of like a a gang of of medical podcasts that all listen to each other or something oh 100% it's there's the kids via short scripts podcast there's a better way they're they're all the health podcasts are listened to the by industry people I mean even even myself like I constantly find myself tuning into if you peruse through my iTunes app I always get targeted with like the content I generally listen to and it's a lot of a lot of branded podcasts and I want to listen to shows about podcasting so it's I mean it makes sense right when you think about it psychologically you gravitate towards the industries that you're in and and there's an industry for everything like even if you created a podcast about um you know vitamins multivitamins quest the the one pill for women every day there would be an audience for it so i think it's about going niche and really focusing on um you know being something to someone yeah Mm -hmm. i was i was thinking about that like rather than just you know starting a marketing podcast you know like finding some type of niche do you have a strategy for niching down like if you're a company wanting to start a branded podcast and you're something like a full service podcasting or not podcasting agency, but a full service agency where you have all these services. Is there a strategy that you look at as to, okay, how can we pick one sector of the company and then go into that? Yeah, when we started, we decided that we were going to work with Fortune 500 brands because we were really interested in the data and analytics side of things. And that's what they're interested in. Like Fortune 500 brands care about the data and analytics. They want to know as many metrics as they possibly can. And that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to change the industry and work with clients who really cared about the data. Whereas like if we moved into certain verticals, I feel like um, they would be less bogged down about the analytics and more so just like care about the brand awareness, the PR coverage, how many awards they're winning. Yeah. Exactly. ideas. Yeah. So I think it really just depends on like what it is that you're trying to get out of the industry. Like, you know, for example, the niche that you two are occupying is like the coach podcasting space. And I think that's really interesting because not only do they care about data and analytics, but you're helping them build their businesses. Like coaches generally start small and then start scaling. And um, it's such an interesting journey, user journey for you to follow along to see how the podcast can really impact their brand, but also their credibility and legitimacy, how they position themselves as thought leaders and subject matter experts in a certain space um so i think it really just comes down to like what your overall objective is and if you are going to specialize in a vertical like you need to have the expertise to back it up would you off the top of your head have any ideas as to how like you could we could best help coaches or something like that with podcasting i would say that um the company level data would be really huge for coaches because it would be a really great way for them to grow their business. Um, but I would also say um, it's about repurposing all of their content. So exactly. it shouldn't just be, you know, if you're creating a podcast, it shouldn't be isolated. It should be um, a part of their 360 content strategy. So maybe you should be repurposing the audiograms and putting them on YouTube, converting the transcripts into SEO formatted blogs, um, converting bite-sized video content for social. I mean, you all know that's what you're specializing in. The one hour that you spend with your clients is to repurpose their content, which honestly, it's a breath of fresh air because not a lot of people think of it. Most people podcasting it's an isolated marketing tactic that lives alone and they don't repurpose any of the conversations yeah yeah exactly this is exactly how we came up with this i mean we were working with a business coach but we also 
ourselves, we were struggling to create the content that we needed. Um, and so um, we were actually working with a sh- social media um, agency, but it's just like, it's very difficult sometimes to create the content that they need to create valuable content for your socials. Right. And it we were like, generic. We, yeah. should, we should start a podcast and we should just like pack, you know, just post reels about, um, yeah, about our episodes. And it works really well. Like it gets Perfect. so much more um, engagement than the content we had before. Definitely. So thank you so much for coming on here. Um, you gave us so much amazing information in such a short amount of time. And I think people, this is, this is just something that you are an expert in. And I don't think anybody knows as much about this as you do. So it was really thank valuable. You. To have you on. Um, now, where do you want people to find you? Like what, where do you usually link people? Our company website is quillpodcasting.com and then our hosting provider platform is cohostpodcasting.com I'm on all of the social channels you can find me pretty much everywhere other than TikTok so if you're looking for me it won't be hard to find me totally yeah (laughs) cohost is the hosting platform that's something that I think everybody should check out if you're into Mm -hmm. podcasting we're gonna go check it out right now so (laughs) thank you so much for coming on here this has been awesome thank you for having me such a pleasure bye thank you good work take care thank you